Hello, my friends, and welcome back to a very overdue new episode of Cake Bites. I'm so excited if you've stuck around, (laughs) if you've still got me subscribed on your feeds, whatever it is, thank you for still being here. When I first took my break, I had no idea that it would be for so long. This is in part because I really... I really didn't like having COVID overshadow the really big part of Cake Bites, which is for developers, what's going on now and what's going on in the future. I really didn't want their projects to be overshadowed by the pandemic, especially if people are listening to this, you know, in the future when we're not currently entrenched. And not that it's not an important aspect of what's been going on over the last couple of years, but I just felt like the developers deserve to have their projects not overshadowed by it. So I'm really excited to be back. I had the opportunity to go to Summer Game Fest last month in Los Angeles, and what I felt like was great about Summer Game Fest is it was like an explosion of indie games. There were some AAA titles there, like Sonic Frontiers, and Square Enix was there with Outriders, but really it was such a huge indie show, and I'm really excited to bring on some of those developers on a kick bites for a really great kickoff (laughs) and uh, I think we're just gonna go ahead and jump right in So Summer Game Fest brought us a lot of really exciting titles, one of which is Baron Breakfast, developed by Romanian studio Gummy Cat, which one, I'm uh, in love with the name of the studio, I'm too in love with the name of the game and the content of the game. And I'm really, really excited to have creative director, yes, creative director, Rares is how I'm going to say it, but that is not how you say his name. He's Romanian, just like his team, um, and I'm going to butcher this, and I'm going to have him correct me here in just a second, but if I'm saying it, I hope correctly, it is, oh gosh, my R's are so bad. I'm not even going to try it. I'm so sorry. Can we get your beautiful Romanian pronunciation of your name? Hi, it's very nice to be here. <laughs> my name is Rares. It's a very weird name to have to pronounce. It's spelled like rares, which I feel like is uh, indicative of the rare, beautiful content of the (laughs) game that you have. Uh, (laughs) No, so uh, like I'm really excited to have you on, um, not only just because Baron Breakfast is a really exciting game for me personally, um, and hopefully for all of the other cozy life sim gamers out there, but also... I'm really interested in the fact that you guys are all Romanian. You're a Romanian studio. All of you live there. Um, most of us, yes. Mo- most of y'all. Yeah. And I say that because I've had I had the pleasure of having um, the studio founder of the, the studio that made Chris Tales, which is another indie title, a JRPG game that came out a little while ago, and they're Colombian. We got to talk a bit about having a studio that is not American, but you're creating games that are globally enjoyed and I'm just really curious and we'll get to it eventually but like what the Romanian influences are in the game and kind of in other games that you guys may have on deck or have made before too so before we start I just my favorite aspect of talking to developers is about you know how did you get started even just playing games before you even got to making games well it was very uh let's say uneventful for the first part of my life I guess uh, we like the first time I've ever saw a computer or anything that could play a game. I was maybe nine or maybe my parents were a little bit more adventurous and they tried to get something with MS-DOS, but that was, I can't even, even remember it. And then I got 
very lucky. My mom like kind of saw the signs and she was like, okay, before you even go to primary school, I'm going to put you in like a computer class because I'm sure this is the future and you've got to learn something. Uh, and so I did, but I didn't learn anything about computers other than how to make email and how to uh, use a keyboard and mouse, which was uh, great at the time, but I stopped at the about to like go on the trip of a lifetime to become a programmer. Like I stopped just shy of that and I kind of took a really long pause at just playing games and playing lots of computer games because consoles weren't really a, a thing or they were kind of rare in Romania growing up. This was like 90s, early 2000s. Internet was um, surprisingly really good here because it's a, it's a long story, but in short, pirates made the internet much better for everyone else because there was endless competition. <laughs> okay, pause. I mean, you don't yeah. have to go on a long tangent, but like that's that's a that's a great short story that leaves a lot of intrigue. Okay. <laughs> and when you say pirates, like you mean I mean like... internet pirates, not the real kind okay. of. Okay, I was like Pirate Bay pirates. Not right? pirate. Bay. <laughs> yes, Pirate Bay pirates, not the other kind. But so oh so so like actual like internet pirates were kind of the reason why. Romania had a, a relatively or a, a robust internet yeah, infrastructure. Yeah, to keep it short, it's basically uh, anyone, like any official company that wanted to bring internet had like to compete with a hundred other literally local throwing internet cables down each other's windows, like from block to block kind of providers. So they could never hike prices. They always had to provide really fast speeds and that like, made Romania, I don't know, it's currently like at least top five or top 10 best internets in the world, um, which was really good for video game consumption for like a kid that had no money and like unfettered access to the internet. It was so, great. so what games were, you know, like on your PC in the early well, 2000s or, or late 90s? So since it was mainly PC and nothing like there's no Nintendo, there's no Xbox, anything, uh, it was mainly... Uh, Valve games, uh, so Half-Life and all of that, and then um, Blizzard games. So World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Warcraft 3, all of those things were really big here, and they kind of, like, I didn't grow up with any of the Marios. No, I've never played the Final Fantasy in my life. My first Zelda was Breath of the Wild and things like that. But, like, I could, like, edit... Uh, map in warcraft 3 to like i could probably make dota myself when i was 11 or something that it was that kind of direction of video games is that then what was your jumping point into wanting to make the move from just enjoying games to wanting to make games no because oh. i don't have that story uh, i don't have the story of i grew up playing games and then at one point i started making them uh, this is the first game I made, so to speak, maybe my second or third, if you want to go by some other standards, but this is the first game I fully made. And I first got into the games industry as sort of a developer in 2016 or 2017. So I didn't like grow up becoming a developer or making games that way. Um, I did, however, have like sort of a tangent with it. Um, uh, also, growing up with games, I also had access to Photoshop, and I really liked 
there was this trend growing up on forums to make um, signatures, like images, mm -hmm. like long images, signatures, small PNGs that had, I don't know, video game characters and like some weird brushes with some really cringy effects. I, I, I remember the internet forum days very, very yes. well. You could, you could really, you could trade on like the big forum sites. You could really, you could trade like in-game services and, and like expensive items for, yeah. for, for like really good signatures or exactly. avatar art or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's how I got uh, into, uh, Photoshop mainly, which kind of led me down the path of graphic design and illustration and things like that. Um, eventually, after a lot of what am I going to do with my life as a teenager, like field, I guess, I uh, ended up working in advertising because 19-year-old me said, it is the absolute perfect corporate medium. I have all the freedom of an artist to make real art and I can also make money because it's advertising and there's a lot of money in it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 19-year-old 19, 19 me was kind of... Stupid. No, I, I, think it's, I think that's a normal train of thought is like, how can I make money doing the thing that I actually like doing, there, you know? <laughs> that's very true. There was a lot of money, but little did I know I wouldn't almost, would almost never do something that I really like doing while working in advertising. But... Um, <laughs> It, it just, it, it was what it was. It like, gave me the growth I needed to, at one point, like kind of realize that I was fed up with doing that and take my skills elsewhere. And that was game development. I did have a short stint because um, I never thought that I was actually good enough to make a game at all. Like I still probably don't, but I had a short stint trying to be game development adjacent. And I tried like organizing events, um, I was part of a team that organized like sort of a mini version of GDC in Vienna at one point. Uh, like it was, it was great to work and see other developers, but like I could never reach out and get it myself. It was, um, it was strange. And at one point during one of these events, I met someone uh, who had their own development studio and needed someone to help with graphic design and marketing and assets and maybe help on a game they were working on and whatever and that's how i eventually uh started working in game development and that was about 2016 or 2017. and that was before gummy cat became a thing or was that i worked with a developer called those awesome guys who are also in romania and they made a game called move or die which was like a party PC party game. Um, it was. It eventually became really popular. It was one. It's still one of the few big indie hits in Romania. Romania has a very very small indie development scene, and like if you ask any developer around here, they know Move or Die. Um, so I worked with them. They eventually got big enough that they could afford to do that transition where a game developer tries to do a little bit of indie publishing as well. So we went trying to find other game developers that needed help, try to share the experience and whatever. And eventually that led up to me wanting to finally make my own game. And that's how Gummy Cat came to be and um, started working on Bear and Breakfast. <laughs> and, and, and how big is the team at Gummy Cat? So it can be as little as three, which is the case right now. Uh, myself, my partner, Iwana, and our programmer, Andu. Um, 
the core team I'd say is an extra two people, so five. It was another programmer named Laur and our producer slash project manager. Uh, her name was Miruna. And then beyond that, there's various like friends, contractors that mm -hmm. get hired for like a short burst of time to do a very specific amount of work for something and they come in like maybe two or three times during the project but not the whole time and not full time and whatever based on our needs and that's another like another handful of people i guess specifically when it comes to like animation or other things that we can't really do ourselves in-house right because in bear and breakfast is that y'all's first title at, at gummy cat yes um, yes yeah we all either made games ourselves before or were part of game development studios in some capacity, either AAA or mobile or indie or whatever, uh, but we never all made a game together. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and so how long, because Bear and Breakfast, for those of you who do not know, um, <laughs> it comes out like later, what is it? I'm like, what, is, what is day week. is it? It's Thursday, a week from today, today that me and that we are talking. And then I'm going to get this out really soon. So even sooner by the time you guys are actually listening to this. So a week from today, what, how long have you guys been working on it? Uh, it's a little over three years since we all sat down to make the first prototype that we eventually had to send to like hundreds of publishers to try to sign a deal and start getting uh, the game made and about two and a half years since we actually all like started developing it and so and correct me if i'm wrong but you kind of what you were saying earlier is you didn't really have access to consoles like nintendo and other things so i'm really curious for the inspiration behind bear and breakfast you know where where did that it, where did that come from? Was it, was it a lot of people say Harvest Moon when they talk about these types of games? But I'm just really curious for you guys. Uh, for me, because um, we've gotten people uh, compare the game to Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley, which I guess is like also has its basis in Harvest Moon, but it's further away from that. It's more based on one of the main inspirations for me was a game uh, I grew up with named Theme Hospital from a developer uh, named Bullfrog. Uh, that eventually kind of, it was, I think, published by Sega or Sierra, I, I forget. But they eventually uh, made like a remake or like a spiritual successor in a game called Two Point Hospital, mm -hmm. which came out very recently. And they're very similar in, in styles of gameplay and management. And I, before Two Point Hospital came out, I was really frustrated that those specific types of management games were kind of rare. In, in modern days, and I wanted to make something like that. But those specific types of management games also had uh, like very minimal story, very minimal aspects of narrative. It was more like, here, you have a hospital. Uh, here's some context so we can make funny jokes around it. And then uh, nothing else. And it's just what was kind of like, move on to the next level and the next level. And I wanted to somehow find a way to integrate a story uh, I, like I was inspired by obvious amazing narrative games like Night in the Woods and I wanted to kind of find some some way to put that together with a management game and that's how like the formula that it eventually gave us very Murphys uh, was put together. So can you share a little bit about what the story is about? Yeah um, you play as Hank who's a bear. Hank lives <laughs> with his mom and two best friends Will who's a little bird 
and Annie, who's a dog. Uh, they live in the forest somewhere in like a Hobbit-style little cave somewhere in a place called the Thicket. And he's lived there all his life. Uh, he doesn't know a lot of what's going on around him or why the the valley he lives in is the way it is. One day they go on an adventure, uh, kind of going against their mom's warnings of not going too far off. And they find that this uh, abandoned valley that doesn't really have a lot of people because for some reason they're just not there anymore, uh, now has a corporation that wants to exploit this valley like I'm sure is pretty much I'm, I'm sure it's a trope somewhere written on a Wikipedia about corporations coming in and that is the start of Stardew Valley that but is, that's about yeah. the <laughs> but but other than that I mean but yeah. it's hard to move away from that kind it of is. you know nature versus everything else it's a, and I would say if you boil it down I feel like that's really the trope at play in a yeah. lot of them but that's it's a great trope it's real life <laughs> yeah Kind of the the corporation's name is Pond Voyage, which is kind of a play on words. Their uh, kind of mo is that they you can pawn items like valuables, and they'll give you travel vouchers, which is just about the worst kind of corporate thing I could find in my head. Uh, and they're looking for uh, people to give them locations for this like new tourism thing, their their travel agency thing. Uh, and that's, they, they'll take help from anyone, including a bear. And that's where you come in. So you take old rundown buildings that you find that like are completely destroyed in this valley. You repair them, you fix them up, you make the bedrooms, the furniture and everything. And they get to bring guests that pay you and you make a profit. And that's how kind of things start unfolding. And the more you play the game, you figure out who Hank is because you just play as Hank and you kind of understand what kind of character he is, where he comes from, what he's learning throughout all of this. You understand why the valley is this way. You find out what happened before. You kind of get to the point of where you are now, and then it moves on a little bit after you you finish like this part of figuring out what happened to the valley. And there's also a little bit of a kind of mystical aspect to the whole thing. I don't want to spoil too much, but there's uh, a part of the story that's totally optional. And if you want to kind of go out of your way and find it, you can about like a little more than just what meets the eye when it comes to the rest of the valley. Oh, I love secrets. I love it. Um, and I love how strong it seems the narrative of the game really ties into, you know, just the mechanics of it as well. Are there any... so? For you as one of the developers, is there any aspect of it that you're really excited for, for players to kind of experience? Is there a, that's... So, uh, not to toot my own horn, but um, I really like the writing, which I did the majority of. Um, there's, I, I finished the writing a few months back and now playing through the game to quality test and whatnot. I find myself that I, like, I find strings and lines that I forgot I wrote that actually like make me laugh. And I, I'm like, oh, this is actually a good joke. Oh, okay. So I, I'm kind of excited about players uh, reading the dialogue and seeing if they actually vibe with it, if they think it's funny. I feel like uh, I had a couple of good characters um, that I'm really proud of. Um, one of them is Gus that we've been kind of putting all over Twitter. He's like a 
a possum that's a little bit weird and a little bit wild, <laughs> and he's dressed like um, the person from the game that I didn't play really. I'll figure it out. Uh, he's he's dressed like a very famous video game character from a recent amazing narrative game. Um, and uh, that's the narrative part. And a mechanic that I'm really proud of is our cooking minigame. Our cooking oh. minigame is this kind of weird card-based thing where um, you make furniture for your kitchen. Like, for instance, you make a stovetop, you make a microwave or whatever, and each of them uh, give you cards, like a deck. Like, if you make a level one microwave, it gives you two microwave cards or whatever. And then you combine ingredients. For instance, you find, I don't know, fruits and vegetables with these cards to make the recipes. And then you have, like, multiple ways to make various recipes just by combining cards and ingredients and seeing how, how that works. So I'm really kind of excited to see people use that to figure out the cooking. And now that you guys are in this home stretch, how does it feel to have the game getting ready to release? And not only just on PC, which you grew up playing on, but also on Nintendo Switch. Um, I was asked that uh, question recently, and I referred to uh, the meme folder on my desktop that has a lot of, like, possums and raccoons screaming. But... Uh, it's it's very weird. Uh, I'm sure we're not the first to ever feel this, but launching your first game is like a very weird conglomerate of feelings. Like we're all tired, anxious, scared, trying to be pragmatic and hopeful and excited all at the same time. And it's like, we can't wait for it to finally be over. Like, we want it to be done. We've been working on it for a while. It's not like eight years like some other games have taken, but three is enough for us. Uh, and while we can't wait for it to be over simultaneously, we already feel kind of sad and nostalgic because we know we're not going to launch our first game again. And mm -hmm. it's never quite going to feel like this ever again. So that's kind kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that. And do you guys have any plans for like post-launch content? I mean, that can change any time, but for oh, now. Yeah. Um, we'd love to. We'd love to keep pushing content for for Burn Breakfast. It all depends on, since it's our debut title, if enough people like it, if enough people play it. Um, it would definitely enable us to like uh, take our plans for future content further. We have plans for like small Halloween edition updates and then winter edition with a lot of wintry stuff and a lot of all the cozy goodness and all of that. We've got, uh, I think we cut, we had to cut maybe like 30, 30 or 40% of the original content planned in terms of characters and storylines just because they're like a team this small couldn't really take all of that content and put it in a game in this short amount of time. So we've got a lot of that already basically mapped out we just have to implement it if we get the the time and resources to do it oh i love that and it may be too soon to ask but do you guys have anything else cooking so to speak <sighs> like all developers <laughs> i'm sure we have hundreds of ideas maybe a couple that are like off the this might be interesting kind of bucket 
uh, out of that bucket and in the we actually might want to make this game if we get to bucket but there's nothing we had to focus all of our attention on this game specifically to get it as good as possible before like committing to anything else just because it's been it's been a pretty hard like last year let's say to get everything going and everything done as smoothly as possible um and we like don't have necessarily the amount of uh, work power workforce or whatever to get two projects going at the same time right now i i completely understand that if you had i mean and i'm just curious because obviously i don't make games but for this last home stretch because i'm assuming the last year really probably feels like that home stretch yeah um what what are some of those those like tough things to to kind of complete before you get to the point you're at right now where you can almost finally celebrate <laughs> the game being in people's hands the the worst part about making kind of a management system heavy game uh even if it does have this linear story that you can progress through is it took a long time before the game was a game for a long time it was just a pile of systems that sometimes worked with each other and sometimes didn't and it was very hard to see through all of that to see the final game like i had to be the vision holder and make sure like it fit and then when something didn't fit i'd have to like make the decision to let it go just so everything else can move forward and that was that was very hard and also like it it kind of recently dawned on us that we've been making this game almost exclusively through a pandemic and we always kind of forget that actually had a pretty big impact and it had setbacks and it probably slowed things down more than it would have even if we are like a first game studio which like brings its own kind of mistakes you you make without knowing etc so it was like double triple setbacks on top of um probably going for a pretty big scope for a game with a team this small it was a lot of putting things together uh in the last year uh with a small team that could could have probably been double the size if you wanted to to be you know uh as efficient as possible but yeah we we finally made it we're here a week <laughs> away and like uh, yeah. When I moved to games, I played Roller Coaster Tycoon. I played Zoo Tycoon. Those were the games I begged my parents to go buy me expansions for. Um, and so, as of somebody who's been playing management sims, literally, it feels like forever. I never really considered that you know building a game on those systems really would. I mean, you're you're because you have to develop those systems before anything else. <laughs> I never really. You know, I'm just shocked. I never really even kind of considered that that the pile of spaghetti systems <laughs> you have to untangle to make into like a coherent game. Um, I, I'm sure this is true of any game, but specifically for <laughs> system heavy games that all have to talk to each other and work together. Uh, now, when everything is coming together, it's so easy to fix something in one place and have it pop up somewhere else, like have holes just. <laughs> pop up just because oh you rushed this specific system one and a half years ago because you didn't have time at the at the time let's say and then now it's coming to bite you and like it's it's a lot of fun 
And did you guys face any challenges as, because um, I do feel like the video game industry is very like West centric, very like, you know, did you guys face any, any challenges on that regard? Um, I would say that I, uh, not specifically, but just be- that's only because I'm super, super privileged that I got to work with a studio that um, kind of had a hit that the studio that I worked at before uh, Gummy Cat which the hits allowed them to be very present in like the game event scene, packs, GDCs, yeah. Gamescoms, and whatever. So I got to experience a lot of what, a lot of the networking that it takes to, you know, find the people that can help you make the game. Um, yeah. So even before we actually started, uh, just having contacts for publishers that I could send a pitch to was a really big privilege for. At, at the time, four or five years. Wait, it's six years now almost. Damn. Um, <laughs> time means nothing. Time means nothing. Um, <laughs> so uh, from that perspective, if we were a new studio trying to like make a game in Romania, it would be double, triple hard um, just because of that aspect, just because it's very hard to get in contact with people that want to fund these types of games. And then it's even harder because there's no real... Uh, good access to education apart from everything that's online and YouTube, but there's no real formal education um, for many of many aspects of video game making. Um, there's there's a little bit of a network now, but that wasn't the case a few years ago when it comes to other game developers here and like just general knowledge sharing, I guess. So we were very privileged that we didn't have to face all of that just because we had the prior experience. But yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, um, especially, I mean, because there's, there's a lot of international events. I mean, and games are global, right? And it just, I, I feel like yeah. it, it skews more certain ways <laughs> a lot of the times. But for you guys at Gummy Cat to be, you know, at Summer Games Fest is, it's not, you know, it's newer. It's been here a couple of years now, but to have to be, featured in the dev days and then for the first ever like media play days that's that's huge that's really really good and i remember i mean i recall from watching you know a majority of gamers don't get to go to those shows what they watch is the live stream showcase that gets posted you know before the media play days or whatever it is so to be included in just those showcases that's that's huge and i people were talking about it on my timeline i have a lot of like cozy a lot of streamers who play those types of games a lot of people on my timeline that just like that and baron breakfast was up there with like what was that <laughs> and yeah. i had a lot of people asking me about it after i came back from 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 play days so um there's a lot of interest in it and i'm i know i'm gonna be posting about it i'm gonna be reviewing the game i'll be sharing uh, my first looks on stuff so I'm really excited to share the game myself with with people, um, and I'm really excited for y'all for it being your first game um, as you. a team together. I know it's yeah. not y'all's first individual games necessarily, but yeah. as a team together, it's it's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, thank you. It was it was uh, a combination of good luck and a little bit of preparation, and it, it, it I hope it ends up being worth it because it feels like it could be really worth it right now. Definitely. So Baron Breakfast on Steam, on PC, and on Nintendo Switch on July 28th. Uh, Very soon. We had a small correction on that last week um, because we had, yeah, sorry, because we had 
some setbacks on controller support. We had to delay the switch a little bit. Okay. Um, we don't have a date for the switch yet, but we're uh, almost we're we're pretty much done. We just have to go through all the process of like getting the game approved mm-hmm. by Nintendo and whatnot. Uh, we gave out a uh, within the next two months max, but we wanted okay. to to be out much sooner than that. But PC Steam, it's still on next week, twentieth yes. of July. Ooh. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's very exciting for you guys and. Um, and I, it seems like I, I hope you guys feel all the love because I'm seeing it too. So I'm seeing it online, and I'm gonna help try and direct it y'all's way myself too. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything about the game that you wanted to bring up that I didn't have the foresight to ask about? Um, it's not a super hardcore management game, and it's not a super in-depth story game. It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of a taste of both. Uh, it's not the kind of game that will necessarily super super challenge you, but it's, uh, in my experience, relaxing enough to have like 10 or 20 hours of just losing yourself, making little BNBs in the forest as a bear. And if that sounds exciting, then uh, you could probably check it out. And change your name to Hank. And change your name to <laughs> Hank. <laughs> oh well thank you so much for chatting with me i'm really really excited like when that when i was talking to Catherine in, in at summer game fest i was like would it be possible to talk <laughs> to any of the developers i really 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 want to talk to talk to them about this game so i really appreciate you coming on to chat with me and i'm excited to share bear and breakfast my experiences with everyone and i'm just excited for everyone to experience it themselves thank, so, thank you so much Thank you so much for having me. It's really this All right, that was our first jump back into Cake Bites. I'm really excited to be back. I'm really excited to be producing this show again. And I really just, I just want to take the time to say thank you to anybody who's taken the time to listen just for one episode, if this is your first, or if this is your gazillionth, or <laughs> whatever it is. I just appreciate you. I just want to take the time to say thank you to Squadcast for supporting the show through the years. It's the best interview recording service out there. Browser-based, no installs required. Not for you, not for your guests. Super great. Please take a look at it. Thank you again to Cinelinks. I know I write for them, but they give me a home. I've still got CakeBites.com, but it's really great to be able to put my show on Cinelinks to join the other great selection of shows on there like the Casual Cinecast, like Second Opinion Productions. There's a variety of shows on Cinelinks, and uh, if if you're following me, which you should be, you can't miss the links. So I'll see you guys next time. Bye!